to the No Greater Joy podcast brought to you by the pastors at Grace Baptist Church. Uh, we want for our people what Jesus wants for his people, and that's to know greater joy. And uh, we're convinced that there is no greater joy for God's people than being what we call 24-7 worshipers, being a go person, and being an alongsider. I am Pastor Steve Strong, lead pastor here at Grace. To my right is... Associate Pastor Andreas Bailey. Across from me... Ryan Atkins, serving in the Timothy position. And we have a huge thank you to uh, Dan Kraniak, one of the members here at Grace, for producing this podcast, making us sound good, look good, et cetera, et cetera. So I want to talk about being a go person uh, with this episode. And uh, what we mean by that is being followers of Jesus who are intentionally building relationships uh, with those that don't know Jesus in order to persuade them with the gospel. And uh, we hope to have many guests with us. And we have a guest with us. He's to my left. Uh, his name is Thad Bergmeier. Uh, he's a missionary with ABWE, a specific ministry called Every Ethne. Uh, Thad has helped us with, as a church with uh, a couple different kind of ministry initiatives. I uh, did a demographic survey for us, working with us uh, in our own leadership skills. Uh, we did a spiritual growth assessment. If you remember back uh, a while, that was uh, through Thad's ministry. And uh, we just want to have a conversation about uh, one of the specifics of his ministry that's called My Circle Training. And we hope to uh, kind of be a little catalyst for us as Go people. But first of all, Thad, thanks for being with us, man. Hey, it's great to be here. Now, uh, we want to learn a little bit about you. Uh, you've worked with uh, Ryan, Dre, and I uh, in the past. Uh, you've not been able to meet our people yet. Hopefully that can change. Uh, so just initially, maybe tell us a little bit about yourself, your family, um, all that good stuff. Yeah, cool. So my wife's name is Monique. We've been married for 23 years. Congratulations. There yeah, you go. I had to get that right. 23 years. Just celebrated a couple weeks ago. <clears throat> Great. I think we were at a softball tournament and we had a cold <laughs> chicken sandwich um, from the concession stand. That was Lovely. Our, Celebrating anniversaries with the yeah, teenage kids. It's where it goes. <laughs> so uh, we have three kids. So my oldest is 21. He is pursuing ministry down at Boys College Southern Seminary. Great. And then we have uh, an 18-year-old, who or 19-year-old, actually. He just gra graduated high school, and he's going to Grove City College to do uh, <clears throat> finance and uh, accounting. Pittsburgh, baby. Yep. Uh, not quite. That's that's Pittsburgh, even if it's that far out. <laughs> I grew up 15 minutes from there. If it's, okay. a, if it's yeah. in Pennsylvania, Dre's Western, Western, Western PA. Dre, that's Dre claims it. Pittsburgh. All right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone who lived, grew up, you know, 40, 45 minutes north or south of Pittsburgh, they say they're from Pittsburgh. Landmark. So people right. in Grove City would say they're from Pittsburgh. Okay. Uh, <laughs> they have good I guess ice we'll cream find there. that out. Oh, really? They've, yeah, they've uh, they have these spoons that turn different colors. It's pretty yeah. amazing. Well, he's excited. He's yeah. he's smart and. He's, yeah, uh, awesome. he's a great kid. So yeah, great school. And then we have a 15-year-old girl who is uh, just finished her sophomore year of great. high school. And so we live on the east side of Cleveland. So we live in Chardon, Ohio. And uh, we uh, – <clears throat> so I, 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 I don't know all you want to know. I pastored for 18 years. Mm -hmm. And then about five years ago made a transition to work with ABWE North America, part of this Every Ethne Initiative. Uh, there's a whole long story in that about calling. And, uh, you know, sometimes you can see, um, like, when we look back, we can always see God's providential hand kind of yep. yep. moving. Every Absolutely. now and then, I think, in life, you can see it as it's happening. 
and through a, a really uh, series of weird, what people might call coincidences, but we know that they're not coincidences. Mm-hmm. The providence of God was uh, moving. God made it really clear that we were to kind of uh, be in this role. So I'm the Midwest Regional Director with every FNA. So there's about 12 states that I kind of oversee and see missions work that's happening here and mm-hmm. oversee missionaries. And So what is what is every FNA? Yeah, so, so every FNA is kind of an initiative of ABWE North America that we want to be on mission with the local church. And so um, we want to help local churches um, to reach every ethne in North America, the world has been brought here. If you haven't noticed, like there are, um, God has brought the nations to um, North America. So we want to be on mission with the church to reach every ethne in North America through a disciple-making movement that multiplies leaders and churches. So we want to help churches identify and own the lostness of their communities and then plant churches eventually to uh, uh, reach the nations and to reach lost people in their communities. Cool. So, what are some of the the day to day? Now, maybe talk a little bit about how you're helping <clears throat> help, how you're helping these churches. Maybe yeah. a little bit. You know, you've helped us. Maybe share a little bit about yeah how, some of those things that you guys yeah. do. So, kind of what I do is in three different um, kind of avenues, really. So, the, the first avenue is I help oversee missions. We have about seven missionary couples that are in the the Midwest. We have church planners. We have people working with like uh, Somalia refugees. We have um, <clears throat> a lot of Muslim work. Uh, so there's a lot of different things that are happening. And so I oversee their uh, ministry. So that's one. Number two is I am um, also what they call the director of church advancement. And so that is all of our resources of assessments that we do. And so you talked about uh, two of them. There's a third one with a leadership assessment that we did mm-hmm. um, with you. So we help <clears throat> churches. You know, every church has a unique starting point. So for me to come into Grace Baptist and say, hey, you should do my circle training, or you should do this, or you should do, do that. Um, it would be like me saying, giving you directions to Florida, but I don't know what your starting point is. Sure. Like your starting point, mm. like, like you know, for me to give you directions to Florida from <clears throat> Cleveland is different than if you're in Hutchinson, Kansas, which we were talking about earlier. That's right. Right? Yeah. So, so we need to know the unique starting point of every, every church, like what does the community look like? What's the spiritual health of the church? How are the leaders, you know, um, um, empowering others and that there are ways to grow in that? And so we get to help uh, dozens and dozens, if not hundreds of churches a year kind of walk through processes of identifying where they're at, Mm -hmm. you know. And then the third avenue is really I get to hang out with pastors. It's kind of cool. Do podcasts. I get to do podcasts like this, which the outtakes before this started were really fun. They will never know. They won't know. But unfortunately, yeah. So, I mean, I pastored for 18 years. I've always had a heart for pastors and uh, pastoral ministry. It's been a hard year for pastors in the last, uh, since COVID. Mm-hmm. And so um, I get to encourage guys and get to go to their churches and preach from time to time. But I get to just have coffee with them and uh, pray for them. And so we get to do a lot of encouragement like that. Cool. So, Dad, is there any one of those three avenues that you enjoy more or less or one that you feel more specifically called into yeah, with your, a, your ministry path over the last 18, 20 years? Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think the assessments is good because I think it combines with the pastoral mm-hmm. part. 
Um, I love the leadership assessment one specifically because it's something that I felt like over time I didn't have that when, when I was a pastoring and I wish I would have. Mm-hmm. Like I wish I would have known the impact that I was making mm-hmm. and someone to walk with me and coach me and help me think through the leadership um, issues there. And so I think I've grown a lot. I mean, I've joked. In fact, everyone on our team, all the other regional directors, you know, like our West Coast guy was a pastor for like 24 years, I think. Our Southeast regional guy was a pastor for 20-some years. And so we. what's interesting, since being in this role, all of us have said we would pastor differently now mm-hmm. um, because of what we've learned, thinking about disciple-making as the core of the church, mm-hmm about the tyranny of the urgent, how we get pulled to so many different things in church ministry. And sometimes we lose that focused effort of, of making disciples and reaching lost people. And uh, so we would, all of us have said, like if the Lord ever opened up the door and moved us back into pastoral ministry, we would be different <clears throat> because of what, what we've learned. Sure. Mm-hmm. Now you've, uh, you helped us with a, um, like a spiritual growth kind of assessment mm-hmm. Um, we had our people do that uh, back in December, January, February. Uh, how many churches have you done that with? Off the top of your head, probably fifty. What are um, some of the common themes that you're seeing from all those assessments as we think about? Not specific to our church, but just as you're seeing across the landscape, maybe of churches. My guess is some of those, most of those churches are going to be very. Uh, similar to mm-hmm. ours here at Grace. Um, what are some of those, what are some common themes, maybe things that encourage you, but also things that um, maybe some attention needs to be given to? Yeah, that's a great uh, question. I, I, I think, so the, the first glaring, it may be, uh, it's not the positive end, but it's the one of growth end yeah. is the evangelism missions part. Mm-hmm. Um, having gospel conversations. I think on average we see that like 60 to 70 percent, I think it's like 66 percent of of believers in a church have less than two conversations about the gospel with an unbeliever a year. Mm-hmm. Meaning, so I think this is the way I phrase it with you guys, is that is that the majority of the church talks about Jesus with the people that they know who don't know Jesus less than one time every six months. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a heartbreaking statistic. That's that's not just Grace Baptist. I mean, it's across the board. I had one church say, well, what do the numbers look like when the church is doing really well in evangelism? I'm like, hell, I'll let you know when, I find, yeah. <laughs> when we see it. When we find that church. Just every church. Like, we get comfortable, honestly, in... Like, this is a bad term, but I'll say it anyways, kind of the country club mentality mm-hmm. of just, like, like inward-focused, you know, yeah. that we forget about the mission of the church is to take the gospel to those that don't know. Yeah. So that's one. I, I, I mean, I can go across all of them. I, I am encouraged that people, like, usually what happens, people are reading the Word, they're praying at, at healthy rates. Engagement of people in the church in in Christ-centered relationships is usually really healthy. Usually, what happens is the Christ-centered relationships on Sunday are really, really, really strong, but then throughout the week it drops off pretty significantly, mm-hmm. meaning that people aren't engaging and living life with each other as well. 
And I think one of the components with that that we often see connected with the missions thing is that is that there's um, there's very it's usually a lower number of if your Christ-centered friends are helping you pursue the lost people. And the more I think about that, the more, you know, just reflect back upon your guys' life, right? So how many times have you had a fellow believer come to you and ask you, how's your witness going? Mm -hmm. (laughs) How are you, like, who are you building a relationship with? Like, it's, now, now you guys are pastors, right? So, People are probably intimidated to ask you those questions. But even like amongst each other, or even just think about when you were lay guys, you know, at a church, that doesn't happen. How 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 do you make that as a regular rhythm of of Christian relationships to ask each other, hey, have you guys talked about Jesus with anyone recently? Yeah. You know. Does um what excites you about what you're doing? Well, I mean, some of the stuff we just talked about, I mean, I love get, getting together with pastors. I mean, there's a different rhythm of ministry doing this. There's a flexibility of freedom mm-hmm. that I didn't have in pastoral ministry. Now, now with that comes <clears throat> some things I don't like because I'm a very structured guy. So I don't like not having an office. I don't like not having a place to go to every day. Mm-hmm. I don't like not having those regular rhythms of, Okay, Wednesday morning is study morning, and Thursday morning is study, and Wednesday yep. afternoon is that, you know what I mean? <clears throat> you know, Thursday's podcast day, all that's day. Right. All day. Yeah, that's what we're doing today. Um, but, but, the, but the joy that comes with it is to, you know, guys that are lonely, yep. you know, especially, mm-hmm. I mean, you guys have a staff here, so it's good. There's a lot of pastors that are just by themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so to just be in here to talk to you at a lunch with a pastor yesterday, and just how are you doing? What's happening in life? Yeah. How, how's your wife? How's your marriage? Mm-hmm. How's you know? And to hear from them afterwards, like, hey, that's a blessing to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, kind of the opposite of that. How do you <clears throat> see the adversary kind of, or really kind of working against what you're doing? How do you see him opposing you? Yeah, there's probably more in in not the the everyday I mean you could talk about COVID you can talk about all these other things and not being able to travel and but it's probably more to do with inside of my heart than it is about the external things and so you know going from pastor to missionary was a really interesting transition and I would say probably ashamedly with conviction that we pray more now so so I trust more. I have to live and trust more mm-hmm. now to the Lord. So where the enemy comes in is doubt, fear, mm-hmm. things like that. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. like, do I really believe that this is making an impact? Mm-hmm. Do I really believe this is <clears throat> important? Sure. You know, so it's probably more internal for me than external, mm-hmm. you know. Dad, you were, uh, you were talking about the fact that you continue to meet with pastors, what is one thing that you would uh, encourage Ryan, myself, and Steve with, and then our people with maybe what you've been taking away from those conversations in the course of the past, maybe the past year? Yeah. Um, Andrea, that's a good question. 
well, to start with you guys, I guess I would say, <clears throat> you know, Paul's words to Timothy, like, fulfill mm-hmm. your ministry. Yeah. Keep, keep your head down. Keep going. Do what you're called to do, mm-hmm. you know. For the, the people that listen to this or watch this or whatever, um, I'd say <clears throat> be an encouragement to your pastors. I mean, like, mm-hmm. the guys, and so they didn't pay me to say this, but the guys <laughs> sitting around this table, like, Pastoral ministry is hard, and and unless you sit in the chair, you don't know it. Mm-hmm. You think, oh, what do you do all day? You just kind of mm-hmm. sit around and read books and study. And mm-hmm. but like Paul's words in Second Corinthians are where he talks about all the things that he went through and all the beatings and lashings and shipwreck and all that kind of stuff. And then he gets to the end of that statement. He says, and beyond all these things, it's it's the weight of the church. Mm-hmm. Like there is a weight that guys carry in pastoral ministry that no one understands unless you sit in that chair. And it's a it's a burden of maybe to give an account for the souls that they're called to shepherd. Mm-hmm. Think about that. Like like if you're listening to this or you're watching this, like like think about your pastors giving an account for your soul before the Lord someday. Mm-hmm. Well that is a heavy burden. So <clears throat> so love your pastors, care for them, pray for them. Um be kind to them. We're fragile people. <laughs> well, we can joke Joking about it, aside, yeah, but yeah, it's, it's true, true. man. Mm-hmm. It, it is true. I mean, I the guy I was sitting with yesterday. I mean, he he talked about uh, he was doing uh, uh, you know one of the leadership things, and one of the minimum statements that he had was that he is uh, approachable. So we were asking about that, like 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 why. And he says, <clears throat> I don't think it's because of pride. I think it's because people know that I'm fragile, that mm-hmm. that I take things so personally, that when they bring stuff up, so they're probably being kind to me by not talking to me about these mm-hmm. things because they think I can't take it. Hmm. And he's like, I can take it, but but I got to just lean into the spirit in those moments, yeah. you know. So. Good. Um, really kind of had you on here. We talk about a ministry kind of strategy element as part of your overall larger yeah. kind of umbrella ministry. For those that aren't familiar, uh, the kind of umbrella agency that you're with is ABWE, yep. Association of Baptists for World Evangelism, which is kind of a, uh, an agency that takes missionaries that churches send and just kind of paves their way to get onto the mission field. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's the simplest way to put it. And I think it's cool that you know, ABWE doesn't just have an eye toward the nations outside the U.S., mm-hmm. but then also yes. recognizing that, you know, the churches in the U.S. need health and encouragement mm-hmm. and equipping, et cetera. And so um, one of those ways that you're seeking to equip is this um, evangelism kind of training. I hate to call it a method, but um, but it's it's... It's called My Circle Training, yeah. and um, uh, why don't you just take a minute, just tell us what is My Circle Training. <laughs> I think in the future we hope to have you come back and maybe do an in-person seminar or something, yeah. so kind of prime that pump a little bit, if you will, but just maybe what is My Circle Training, and um, I don't know, let's start talking about that. Yeah, so, <laughs> so when I started this role, um, we like, yep, yeah, okay, the Midwest Regional Director, we're in, let's do it. Um, I saw that there is this thing called my circle training. There's an evangelism tra- training that they encourage. 
this is not something that ABWE produced. I'll tell you about who did it in a second. But my first thought, I don't know if you guys have ever thought this. I'm like, oh, great. There's going to be some evangelism thing that I'm going to have to champion, and it's going to be bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because you don't want to do it yourself, or yeah, you're just not. Well, it's it, not it's, it's not even that. I mean, like, in... no, it's like because usually when I talk to pastors, I'm like, what evangelism strategy or what are you doing? And go, and I usually get, well, I don't like this about this guy, and I don't like this about this, and I don't like this about this one, mm-hmm. I don't like this, uh, and I'm like, okay, and I can feel that, like, I get it. Right. Um, with my circle, when I started to dig into it, I'm like, yeah, that's 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 what I do. I mean, it's we like to refer to it as the it's the iOS operating system for missional living. All right. So think of it. Yeah. So you Mac guys are well. Yeah. Dan back there is cringing. He's like Mac iOS. Well, I call it Windows, but that would crash. Yes. So we want it to thrive and and succeed. No. So it's the, but think of it as like operating system. Okay. So it's not, uh, it's not an app per se. So it's, it's designed to say, okay, how, how can you see all of your life? as as a means towards mission yeah so that i mean i think you even said when we were talking before like just 27 or 24 7 worshipers yeah right like that's what you guys are trying to do here let's take it's not just about sunday it's about everything that we do in life is wrapped around the great commission like everything that we do in life is wrapped towards mission that jesus has called us on Um, one of the phrases i like to say is that to be on the mission that Jesus has for us does not mean adding more things to an already busy life. Because we're all busy. Amen. I mean, I mean, but it does mean thinking differently about everything we're everything already else. doing. Yeah. Like you're already doing stuff. So how do you do the stuff that you're already doing, but you do that for kingdom purposes? Mm-hmm. That's what my circle tra- tra- training is about. And so, um, I mean, I can tell you the four hooks you know, basically, there's a, a um, it's qualitative and quantitative. So, and what I mean by that is like it's measurable, but there's a depth to it. Mm-hmm. And so, what we do when we do the full training is we, um, here's like the 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 sixty second version, is identify who God has placed in your life already who doesn't know Christ. Okay, and so we go through an exercise and we do stuff where you write things down. You write names down. Something happens when you write a name down, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but we also write, like in the spheres of influence that you have in life, who are the believers and the unbelievers. You want both and, okay? So identify is the first one. The second thing is then pray. Would you pray for one unbeliever a day? Okay? Just pray for one unbeliever a day. You're talking 30 seconds, 60 seconds out of your day. That's not a huge commitment, Right? Pray for, pray that God opens doors. Praise that, you know, um, opportunities would happen or whatever. Uh, so pray for one unbeliever a day. Third is engage one unbeliever a week. So intentionally, you're probably already engaging them, but now engage them intentionally. Have lunch with your coworker. Have a have your neighbor over for a dinner. Um, go go talk with your sports coach of your kid's team. Um, you know, as they're watching. As they're playing the game, sit there and have good conversations as moms that are watching their kids play Little League, you know, that sort of thing. 
And then the fourth is share once a month. So have gospel conversations once a month. That's the, the goal, right? So pray once a day. Spend time once a week. Share once a month. And uh, if, if, if all the Christ followers at Grace Baptist Church were doing those four things, what do you think would happen? Uh, we'd have people that are on fire, and we'd see, I think we'd, we'd see salvations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think a culture would, would culture. shift. Right. Um, so, so that's kind of the gist of it. Yep. Uh, it. It was started by a guy by the name of Jim Murphy. He was a church planter in uh, Syracuse, New York, and then a uh, church planter in uh, Buffalo. And someone came to him and says, "How are you training your people to share the gospel?" And he goes, "Well, I'm just telling them to do what people did to me, and that they loved me on purpose, and that I didn't feel targeted. I didn't feel like I was an objective to them." But I just felt like they were just, they just were friends with me. Mm-hmm. So this is like the old school friendship evangelism kind of on steroids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. relational evangelism. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. How have you, what are some of the, I hate to put it like success stories or whatever, but how have you seen this maybe effective in your own life and maybe some of the churches that have taken it seriously? How have you seen... Uh, have you seen it yeah. be effective? Um, well, I'll tell you in my own life, I mean, it, it's kind of what I was doing already. Like when we made the transition from uh, from the church I was at to ABWE, like we weren't ready to leave the area, um, be, mostly because of the unbelievers that we had in our life. We're like, God's not done with them yet. I don't know what to do. And so we just basically spend time with them. I mean, we, we just, and a lot of it's through us, through our kids' school, through baseball, through softball. Like, we try and be very intentional with them. Um, but I can tell you story after story after story of just, um, of, a, of a mom who comes to me and says, hey, uh, my daughter has to do a, a school project, um, and she needs to interview a religious person. Do you mind if in between games on Saturday for softball for my my daughter, can can she interview you? I'm like, sure, yeah, absolutely. What's the topic? She goes, what happens when you die? <laughs> I'm like, I think we can talk talk about that. Yeah, you know, between games. Yeah, between <laughs> games. So, uh, yeah, so in between games, I mean, we we have so three of the players, two moms, sitting around a picnic table with me. Just talking about what happens when you die. I mean, I wasn't doing anything. I was just present, you yeah, know. Right. And we had some great conversations, and they continue to this day. Um, guys, it's just being, it, it's just being real in people's lives. Mm-hmm. I mean, I got um, well. There's a church down in Sar- in uh, Sarasota, Florida, called uh, 360 Church. I mean, we did like their spiritual formation assessment f- uh, for them. They found out. Hey, yeah, we're not very good at evangelism like we thought. They had one of our other trainers come in, do my circle training. Um, a month later, there was a hairdresser that was like, hey, I do this person's hair once a month. Mm-hmm. I'm going to start praying for them and start talking to them and was able to lead them to the Lord. And just had the, like, like okay, this is what I'm called to do. Like, this is the mission. Mm-hmm. I think right. that's a, an important element of this 
in just terms of making that transition from it's something that a church does yes to it's something that the individuals do and owning that and changing a perspective and a mindset in terms of why am I why am I going to get in my haircut? Why am I taking this walk around the neighborhood? Mm-hmm. Why am I at the job that I am at? Um, why am I at this football game, at this basketball game, at this baseball game? Um, why am I at this taco place eating tacos? Why am I? Um, I think that's kind of, at least as I'm hearing you talk and as we've looked through this kind of material and this idea here, I think that's that's a huge transition that needs to happen. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know. Yeah, well, let me ask you guys. I mean, like, like, like Dre, like, why do you think people don't live intentionally? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think a couple of the reasons why are first, I think people find it, they think it's going to be difficult. You know, they think that it would be difficult to build a relationship. I think they think they, they may not quite understand how to share the gospel. Uh, but even though all of us have come to faith in Jesus, if you come to faith in Jesus, you understand the gospel, you can share the gospel. Yeah. Uh, that's a reality. So I think people think it could be difficult. Um, people don't necessarily think they fully understand how to share the gospel. Um, and honestly, I think we just get too comfortable. We get inward focused, like you were mentioning earlier. So, But I've, I've found the same thing. I, I think for us as individuals, we need to find the areas where the Lord has gifted us in. I know for you, it's baseball, right? You have Baseball is a great uh, source for you to be in, in the community yeah. with unbelievers. Same thing for me. I've been able to do that with baseball. And so, but people could do it, whether maybe they go and they get tattoos at Tattoo Parlor. I don't know, right? But maybe that's their place. Maybe that's what they're into. Or maybe they're into collecting comic books and they can go to their local comic book shop and build relationships with the owners there. I don't know. Or people that are playing magic cards. I don't know. Like Yu-Gi-Oh. <laughs> I don't know. Pokemon. Those are Pokemon cards right now, by the way. Anyway. I don't even know what you're talking about. It's all right. It's all right. But you know what I'm saying? You need to find you need yeah. to find the thing that the Lord has blessed you with the love to do or the, something that you enjoy doing and use that mm-hmm. as a way to build relationships yeah. with the intentions of sharing the gospel. Yeah. I mean, when we started this, I mean, we did not intend per se initially like, like we're just playing baseball. Yeah. Like my son loves it. We're just playing softball. My daughter loves it. Yeah. And so, at, at some point, it clicked. And like, okay, so if we're at a game at eighty games in the summer, let's say combined, mm-hmm. and it's only about baseball and softball, yeah, it's probably a waste of time. Yep. Right. I say probably. I mean, it's still great time with yeah. my kids, right. and they love it, right? Yeah. But if it's about mission, if it's about relationships with unbelievers, if it's about you know, um, being intentional in it. Well, it's worth every Gatorade and gallon of gas and entry fee and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. Like, it's worth all that. Yeah, right. That's right. So we didn't start out to be anything clever. We just said, what are we already doing? What do we love to do? Now let's do that for kingdom purposes. Yeah. I think it's really interesting as you're talking about the story uh, with the young girl asking you, you know, needs to interview a religious person. They knew you were a religious yeah. person. Mm-hmm. And so that's why, you know, like, so yeah. you were living in a way that I don't know that you probably walked up to everybody and said, hey, just so you know, I'm a Christian. Hey, just so you know, I'm a Christian. Hey, just so you know, I'm a Christian. 
but you were living in a way that they knew there was something different about you and that they could have that conversation, that you were someone who would be up for that conversation that, you know, I really think your, your point about not adding more to what we already do, but just doing what we do yeah. in a way that is on mission um, is key to what we're looking at and what we're thinking about and, and that shift that, Steve, you were talking about in our mindset of, you know, I think so often we think of evangelism as something we go and do versus just living a certain way and reaching and speaking into those lives around us. And Yeah, my daughter's coach calls me the pastor of the team. <laughs> I mean, they're all in the I feel that, like, yeah, I mean, yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah, they call yeah. me they call me Rev at Westlake. That's funny. Yeah, the, literally, <laughs> we had our uh, uh, award ceremony at, at Westlake High School, and he, uh, Coach Mosley, the head coach, didn't introduce me as Coach Andres. He just kept calling me Rev the whole time, and everybody <laughs> in the audience, you could tell, was like Rev. Who is Rev? You know. So, but yeah, it was it was interesting. You're gonna get we get that a lot. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. When when I was coaching our boys, and we would have weather coming in. Yeah. Both of the guys, yeah. I mean, that I was coaching with knew that I was a pastor, and they're like, I thought you had some say with this, man. Yeah, he exactly. threw up a good I've, word, can't you? Yeah. <laughs> I've heard that before a few yeah. times. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah. What, um, I think also thinking about that interview that you had, I was assuming it was for school, mm-hmm. you know, she's going to end up turning something into her teacher. Yeah. You know, who knows where that could go. Yeah. I think that's just cool. And I, thinking about what can... You know what can our what can a person do as they're listening to this and realizing okay wow I need to maybe the one of the takeaway bottom things for us now with this is just simply how do I change the way I view everything that I'm doing what might be some of the things that we can encourage them all right start doing this to to try to see a change in that type of mindset yeah so identify who's in your life who doesn't know Jesus yep. and pray for one unbeliever a day. And I'll just stop there. Yep. Because what's interesting, like like every evangelism thing that I've ever seen has prayer at some point, right? Mm-hmm. This is one of the only ones that's built into one of the main components. And it's amazing. Like, like I have people that have come to me and said, it's amazing. Like I started praying for this person every day or once a week, right? And wouldn't you know it? They called me. Mm-hmm. They called me. Like my phone <laughs> rang after I prayed for them that day i'm like you know what they they've probably always been calling you but now you're attuned to it yeah like you are not now you're looking for those things right those opportunities have always been there Mm -hmm. but now you are because you're praying for it guess whose heart is turned it's your heart that's turned Mm -hmm. because god uses prayer like that right it's like god is changing the heart of the person as they pray Mm -hmm. So that's the biggest thing. You just simply say, I'm going to make a list, and I'm going to take a minute every day, and I'm going to pray gospel prayers for at least one unbeliever every single day and just see what God does. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, the um, – oh, I just totally lost my thought. I'm getting old. It was a good one. Now, it was good. Oh, my goodness. It was going to take us off in another hour. That's it right. was so good. Um. Everyone's oh, here listening to this going, that's right. I, Yeah, they're like, Steve? <laughs> Praise no. God. Come. That's right. It was, um, hearing you talk, I think sometimes you get in, you know, you're talking about what fears, what, 
insecurities kind of are there that keep us from maybe stepping in that direction. I think sometimes maybe we think of evangelism as a skill mm-hmm. and, and not as uh, just in sense, uh, you know, a calling or a responsibility or one of the greatest things that we can be doing. You know, we think, uh, well, I've not received the training, so I, I am going to wait until I get trained. Yep. Or I'm going to wait until um, somebody says something to me or, or I have it all down or I feel ready rather than, you know, it's like, are you ever ready to have a child? No. Mm-hmm. So you just go with it. You just step into it and move with it. And it's, uh, yeah, it's not, not a skill. Mm-hmm. I think it's more seeing this is core to who I am as a believer. Yeah. And I think we detach those two sometimes. Yeah. But Well, I wonder, I mean, usually when I do the training, I start out with 2 Timothy 4, 5. Well, I quoted you guys like earlier, like fulfill your ministry. Yeah. But before that, he says, do the work of an evangelist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is still work. Mm-hmm. Like, like the more you pray, the more your heart's going to be drawn and the easier it becomes just to be natural. But it's still work. I mean, it's still hard. I think Timothy probably had fears in that. I have fears. Yeah. You guys probably all have fears, right? Mm-hmm. But it's, it's not easy. Well, and there's fears involved with, you know, thinking about our people that maybe as pastors we don't aren't having to, to deal with, you know, whether it's teacher in a school setting, mm-hmm. you know, those in the medical pr- in the field where there's a real sense of, man, if I engage with this person right now, my job's on the line. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, obviously as a pastor, it's, you know, maybe my job's not on the line when I share Jesus. Um, but those are some real, I don't know what your, what your thoughts are with that in terms of maybe those kinds of things are running through people's minds. Yeah, I mean, I don't, um, I don't know the specifics of what any individual person may face. Mm-hmm. Um, I do know that um, if they're a follower of Christ, the Spirit of God is alive in them. And so I think one of the things that we tend to do in our churches, um, the churches I've been in and similar to probably your church, is that we're so scared of maybe some of the really far out um, Holy Spirit movement stuff that we swing that pendulum so far that we kind of miss out on some of the understanding of the role of the Spirit in the lives of Christians. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, like... Um, well, well, I'll tell you a negative story, a, a story for me. Like I'm doing a training in New Jersey on this, and I talk about the promptings of the Spirit. I mean, I talk about, you know, um, like you're sitting on an airplane or you're, you're talking to a friend, and there's a thought that pops in your mind of like, ask him about, you know, I wonder how their, their dad's doing, or I wonder how their kids are handling that situation i wonder how their job is or i wonder if they're a believer like those are probably not promptings from the enemy of god yeah yeah. (laughs) right (laughs) though those are promptings from the spirit well to say no to those i think that's what paul meant when he says do not quench the spirit yeah Mm -hmm. so you myself i mean you guys i None of us were ever called to save anyone. 
Like, so let that burden roll off your shoulder. I don't have the power to or the responsibility. But as the Spirit leads in my heart to, uh, to have conversations or to say something to someone, I know he is up to something, that he wants to do something. So here's the negative example. I do an all-day teaching, training thing on my circle. I hop on a plane to fly back that night. And I'm talking to this young lady next to me who's, I mean, just she just graduated medical school, is waiting for the next day, is going to get her placement, and all kind of fearful and not sure what's going to do. And I have this, like, pray for her. I'm like, I don't want to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's you weird. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, I do that often. Like, like I've never had, <laughs> I've never asked someone if I could pray for them, and they've said no. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, that's... A, and usually it's people you know, or if it's someone, I mean, it's been someone I met before like that. But honestly, I was just tired. I didn't want to. And I was just like, no, I mean, here's the worst situation. I was sitting here, and she was there, and then there was like an Orthodox priest on the other side. And I think, so, and he was engaged in some of the conversation yeah. as well. And so like, uh, and I was resisting, 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 and I didn't do it. Mm-hmm. I shit off the plane, and. Um, I think I said, hey, I'll pray for you. But I kind of was feeling the Spirit saying, pray right now. Like, ask her to right. pray right now. Yeah. I think I think that's quenching the Spirit. Mm-hmm. You know? I got home and I had to repent and confess that. And, you know, I don't know what God w- wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Probably through me and through her. And So. I like the little tagline on the bottom of this, loving people on purpose. Yeah. I think that's... Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to workplaces or other scenarios where you feel like, well, there's a lot at risk, I think you simply love. And at some point, you know, we're just dealing with, all right, what what's the what's the greater risk here? Um, but loving people on purpose and asking those questions, showing genuine love and care and concern yeah. um, you guys have any other questions I think uh, we primed the pump pretty good I think for so. in person maybe opportunity come fall but mm-hmm. uh, to, to run with this a little bit further any questions you guys have yeah I, I, I have one more question alright yeah. dude so I know I know here at Grace uh, at least before I got here we were doing what was it PI squared or the pray and invest, pray invest invite. Invite, yeah. so how would how would you say that differs from this um, or would you just say they're very similar or so tell me about it so pray I think it, yeah, invest I think invite I think really it's Andy Stanley I think who came up with invest invite and then someone mm-hmm. added on prayer to that which Maybe, they yeah. needed that you know um, so pray for pray for lost individuals awesome. very similar uh, invest invest in them uh, relational, yeah, relationally, yeah. and then invite them to church, hang out with them, etc. Yeah, so, so I think that's really the same. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. very similar. Although I would say this: the yeah. goal is not to get them to come to church. Yeah, that's yeah. not the goal. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Of mission, yeah. right? The goal is to yeah. introduce them to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, what happens when when people meet Jesus is they come meet his yeah his body for right sure. his mm-hmm. his church, and so I think you know uh, J D Greer said and this is a plug for you guys right <laughs> he he said in his book gaining by L- a losing he says your pastor should never be the first person to share the gospel with your friend mm, yeah. mm. that's true 
Yeah. Hey, no amens? Amen. Amen. All right. <laughs> yeah. So the point is, like, we, we have created a culture of church where mm-hmm. it was our mission is let me invite them to church. Yeah. Okay, it's good. I mean, that's, yeah. it's, that, that's not a bad thing, you know. Mm-hmm. But in reality, um, the mission is to invite them to, to meet yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Right? Well, amen. Yeah, well, I, I even think about we just had a men's event at Top Golf, and one of the players at Wesley came with me. And uh, uh, we were coming back from, from Top Golf, and we were, we were talking about the gospel, talking about Jesus, and if he had ever really known it or ever heard of it. And he said, you know, the biggest thing for me is that I can listen to what you're saying because I know you. Yeah. And, and I think a lot of people would say that if they just get invited to church to listen to somebody who's preaching up there, they don't know that individual. Right. But you as being that, being that friend or being that uh, person they know, that's the biggest thing. They know you, and so you you have a bigger opportunity than even a pastor on a Sunday morning to share the gospel with that individual because you know them, mm-hmm. and but, they know you. Yeah, and, and along those, obviously, we want, you know, if they're gonna, if someone's going to come to grace, they're going to hear the gospel. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You know, there's obviously value in that. But beyond that, I think, um, and even I've experienced this, where it's, you know, you can have someone come and visit. You know, they're, they don't know Jesus as their Savior. They'll come and they'll listen. Mm-hmm. And, and they'll hear it. Questions. They'll, or even just beyond that, they'll be, oh, that was great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was good. There, there's a dis, a distance perhaps, mm-hmm. where you can come to the service, participate, walk away. Yeah. But when it's a personal relationship, yeah. it's like you can't just walk mm-hmm. away from that. Right. Yeah. You can, you know, coming to a service, you can come to the service, you can hear it. It can be clear, um, and an opportunity to respond, etc. But when the service is done, there's a separation. Yeah. And, um, but in a personal relationship, mm-hmm. there's just the ongoing. It's like, really, in a relationship, you can't escape. You yep. can't get away from it. Um, and it's it's easy to walk away from a service. It's hard to walk away from a friendship. Yeah. Right. Um, so anyway. Yeah. yeah. Some thoughts of that, but yeah, that's good stuff. I mean. So, all right. Um, I think we've uh, primed the pump, and uh, look forward to a future opportunity. Hopefully, later this year, uh, we'll have you come out and uh, give people an opportunity to meet you personally. Yeah, we'd love it. Here, and we'll let me walk through this a little more specific, and and uh, oh, we make some commitments. Yeah, w- yeah. One last thing is, um, like when we do the, tra- the trainings and stuff, if people walk away guilt, like because anytime you talk about evangelism, oh, sure. mm-hmm. yeah. Immediately, it's guilt inducing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's not the point. Yeah, mm-hmm. the point is to celebrate mm-hmm. your faithfulness, mm-hmm. and then ask ourselves, what's the next step of faithfulness? Mm-hmm. Like, let's celebrate. Uh, um, what Jim Murphy was telling, I was talking to him one time, and he said this guy came up to him and said, uh, "Hey, you know, Pastor, I just I feel really bad that you know I've only been praying like three days a week for unbelievers," and he goes. Well, before you did the training, how many days a week did you pray for unbelievers? He goes, well, none. He goes, that's 300% growth. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Right. Now, what's the next step you need to take? Yeah. Right? And so that's, that's really what you try and do is say, let's, let's celebrate how God has used you and, and what you're doing as we talk about the process of salvation. And then let's ask, what's the next step of faithfulness? And then at the end, we just let go of it and trust God to, uh, uh, for the results. All right. Amen. Amen. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's great. 
All right, we want to finish with a few shotgun questions. Uh-oh. All right. Yeah, I've so, been thinking about these all week. Yes, you have, even though you don't know what they are. I know. I don't think we gave them to you. No, you didn't. You said <laughs> we're going to shock you. That's right. Uh, I, don't, I don't think they'll be that hard. Yeah. Uh, some of these probably, uh, you're, you're, you live in Chardon, right? Yeah. Uh, our favorite place around here is Mitchell's. Have you heard of Mitchell's for ice cream? Yes. Do you go to Mitchell's? Do, um, there's one in Chagrin Falls I've been to Okay, a couple times. So favorite ice cream? I guess it doesn't have to be Mitchell's, but favorite, favorite, your favorite ice cream? Well, salted caramel, but I would say in Chardon, we have a place called King Cone, which is, it's the happening place, man. Place to go in <laughs> Chardon, huh? Yes. All right. King Cone. Yes. Favorite no. menu item at Chipotle? Um, I mean. Are you not a Chipotle guy? Yeah, no, 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 I do. A burrito, a steak burrito. Yeah, okay. The carne mm, steak yeah. burrito. Oh, the carne steak when they have that, yeah. Yeah, when the new steak <laughs> stuff when they have it. But no, no beans. I don't do beans. Just rice. Just rice? All right. But the hot salsa, The hot too. salsa. All right. Favorite book outside the Bible? Uh, most impactful book is Desiring God by John Piper. Great. Mm. What, uh, what book are you reading right now? Um, a couple of them, but I just picked up The Rise and Fall of the Modern Self by Carl Truman. Yep, I'm reading that now. Are you really? Yeah, huge. I mean, it's super informative and eye-opening. It's great. Yeah, I just picked it up because I didn't know he was at Grove City. Oh yeah, that's right. He is. Yeah, and my kids Which going is to Grove City. Which apparently it's in Pennsylvania. It, it's in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. I hear it is. <laughs> <laughs> so, Carl Truman yep. is a Pittsburgh fan. Yeah, just because he lives there. No, but I but I just picked that up and I just started reading it. Yeah. So. Super. It's one of those books that I'll probably read more than once. Really? It, it's there's so much there. I've heard I've heard so many stories in the last year. I'm like I got to get this book. Yep. Favorite book of the Bible? Um, favorite book of the Bible? Maybe right which now. Whichever one, which one, one that I'm studying. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's right. uh, Colossians, yeah. probably. Yeah. The suprem- uh, supremacy of Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Favorite movie? What movie can you watch over and over and over? If you see it on TV, you just got to stop and watch it. Uh, it any of the Dark Knight trilogy. Ah, uh, yes. Filmed yeah. in Pittsburgh. Oh, really? Yeah. No. Nah. One of them. Yeah. The with Bane. Really? Yeah. That one was filmed in Pittsburgh. Is that when oh. literally Heinz Field? Yeah. Well, Heinz Field. It collapses. was Heinz Ward in it. Yeah. Heinz Ward. Oh, yeah, yeah, Big yeah, Ben. Yeah. Brett Kiesel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying. Other than your Jesus. son's going to Grove City, and you love the Dark Knight. But I love the Browns. He's. A, I know, but you a could, Pittsburgh. Hey, guy you could change. No, I don't think you so. Change. Because because <laughs> I moved here and became a Browns fan. Wow. I mean, I, I'm Dude, a I've Chicago, had not many people say that. I know. I'm a Chicago moved. guy yeah. at heart. I mean, that's yeah. where uh, I For sure. grew up in Northeast Indiana and lived in Chicago 10 yeah. years. My wife and I met there. Like, I'm a Well, in Chicago Cubs drafted a mentor fan. guy, which is somewhat near you guys, although he hasn't. He's kind Who? of struggled. Trubisky. Oh. He's a mentor guy, isn't he? Yeah. He is a mentor guy, sure yeah. and he has struggled. Yeah. He but, has. I, but I kind of became a Browns fan the year they went 0-16. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I looked wow. at my friends, and I go, listen, Browns fans shouldn't let friends become Browns fans. What in the world are you guys doing? Well, you, you just That's let me true. do this. Yeah. Uh, favorite person in the Bible other than Jesus? Uh, I mean, yeah, you can't just say the Apostle Paul. But sure well, you can. can. <laughs> you can. I mean, you just did. I, yeah, you just did. Yeah. <laughs> I know, but that For feels sure. like a cop out answer, <laughs> a little bit. Uh, no, that's good. No. Yeah. Favorite restaurant to eat in downtown or in Cleveland, Cleveland area maybe. 
Um, <clears throat> Flipside mm. Burgers. Well, I've not heard of that. There's one in River. There's side burgers. There's one in Chagrin. There's one I think. I think Rocky River has yeah. one. I feel like I've seen their sign on the, the side of the best building. hamburger you will ever have. Oh, it's the only place. That's a pretty strong That's a statement. Bold statement. Listen, it's man. the only place that I go and get a burger and don't put anything on it. Really? Like, Ryan like is no ketchup. No. I am, I, there is one in River. <laughs> Lunch Lunch you're today. Googling? Yep. There's Flip one, side. There's one 10 minutes. It's like a gourmet burger place. Yeah, nice. Huh. Yes. Cool. Do that. Uh, what's your dream car? <laughs> Do that. You know, I don't really have. I, I, I'm, not a car, I'm not a car guy. I mean. So one that runs? Pilot, maybe. I mean, I, I don't know. Our, our <laughs> pilot, all right. I'm not. I'm not really a car guy. I mean, get right. the Grand Caravan. There's a yeah. one CRV. <laughs> Wasn't that an? I have a CRV last now. Oh, he has a CRV. Yeah, but but I'd say at one point my wife and I had bought more houses than cars. Than cars. Yeah. Because we just buy a car and then it gets yeah. us from point A to point yeah. B. We yeah. just until the until the wheels fall off. It's never been. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So favorite uh, vacation spot. Probably more mountains than beach. Beach, yeah, more mountains. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mountains. yeah. Favorite cartoon growing up? I didn't really watch cartoons. No, I mean, probably the Roadrunners or the or, or uh, Looney Tunes kind Looney of stuff. Tunes, yeah. All right. Do you have a favorite cartoon now? No. Right. <laughs> Sorry. Would well, you guys? Do, do you guys watch cartoons uh, with my kids? Currently, no. So not. my teenage sons will. One of them watch cartoons. Teen Titans Go is hilarious, dude. It's gotten so much worse though. Teen From Titans, original Teen Titans Go. The original Teen Titans yeah. Go is good. Yeah. Teen Titans Go. Yeah, yeah, whatever. There's another one. I can't think of it right now. I'm not gonna waste time with that. Oh, uh, what's the? Yeah. I think I know how you're gonna answer this next one. LeBron or Michael? Michael. Yeah. The yeah. Chicago guy. Sorry. Starbucks no, or Dunkin'? Starbucks. Michigan or Ohio but, State? Okay, Starbucks. No. But I don't drink coffee. Oh, you just chai. I, I do chai tea. Uh, yeah. right. And Me I too. did go to Dunkin's this morning because Starbucks wasn't open yet. I dropped my wife off at the airport. Did you get a chai there? I did, and it was horrible. I agree. It was horrible. I've done it twice, and it was a mistake both times. <laughs> yes. I think it was coffee, chai coffee or something. It, it was, like, flavorless when sorry, I got it. Sorry, Dunkin'. Wow. They're not yeah. A, yeah, not they're not going to sponsor us. Whole, yeah. Whole Foods, phenomenal chai. It's a masala chai. It's real spicy. Ooh. Big B. Coffee. Okay. Yeah, there's just like a they sweeter have a, vanilla. They have a hot cinnamon chai latte. I, <laughs> which, by the way, I, I posted one time. You guys sound very fruit fruit. I know. Right I've now. never learned no, this no, much no, about tea before in my life. No, listen. I posted something one time, like as a early Sunday morning, and I posted a picture of my mug with a chai latte. And I got a friend text me. Goes, dude, we're revoking your man card there right now. <laughs> I just coffee's too bitter. Yeah, I don't like it. Mm. So right. it's not not the taste I've acquired. Michigan or Ohio State? Neither. All right. Um, so who is it if it's neither? I can't answer that question. You can say the Alabama. Plead the fifth. Oh no! So I grew up. <laughs> I grew up in an hour outside Notre Dame. Notre oh okay. South Bend. Yeah. That's, so that's respectable. So, so when you're talking football, I guess that's probably the question mm-hmm. you're asking. Huh. When you talk football, it's Notre Dame. All right. All right. Spring or fall? Fall. Cats or dogs? We just got a dog. First time we got a nice. golden doodle, and uh, I don't know if it was the worst decision of our life. But <laughs> oh no, he is awesome. Yeah. He is awesome, but um, 
It's like a handcuff, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's yep. like having a baby. Yeah. He, he's five months old now. Little golden doodle puppy. Still, but he's getting bigger. So. Well, I hope you have fun with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Our kids wore us down. Actually, I'll say it in here. We we got it as a show of the gospel to my daughter. Oh yeah. Yeah, because I don't know where she's at, and you know, I mean, she's awesome. She's really awesome, but um, I don't really know where she's at with the Lord. I mean, I, I mean, she would say that she is, but mm-hmm. but we, uh, I just wanted to show her, like, hey, like, like the gospel is a blessing that you don't deserve, yep. and you've been asking for a long time, and we don't really want one, but we're going to get one for you. Persistent widow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So. Well, Thad, I appreciate you uh, taking the time. Yeah, thanks, Dad. Enjoyed talking with you, and uh, look forward to future opportunities. Yeah, it's great, guys. Appreciate right. you guys. Absolutely. God bless. Bless. Have a good day. Thanks, Dad. See you next episode. Yep.